So when you build a product like this, internal tool, someone has to be the first one to use it. <laughs> so one of our friends, a front-end engineer, at the time he had never released software himself, we pushed him into production and his code actually broke the website. So we walked him through that internal tool. There was only one flag that was his flag. So we said, hey, click the kill button. 30 seconds, the site came back up. No need to troubleshoot on a Friday afternoon. That person moved on and went to camping, came back long weekend on Tuesday. We fixed the software, pushed it again, restore the kill flag and the rest is history. I'm Pato Echawe, co-founder and CTO at Split Software. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the back end. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mark. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today, how Pato Achawe has built a robust feature flagging platform to help you separate the push and the release. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Terso makes this easy utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech/slash code story. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash code story. Pato Achawe was born and raised in Argentina and as such is a huge soccer fan. He played soccer and tennis growing up and enjoys following the Boca Juniors. He also admits to being influenced by the Messi effect as well, liking Barcelona and now the States. He's a father of two young kids who also play soccer, so there are a lot of nets and practice tools in his backyard. At his prior startup, which was acquired by Salesforce, Pato and his co-founders observed that the faster they shipped things, the faster they broke production. After giving in to his co-founder's persistence, he decided to jump in and build a feature flagging platform to fix the problem. This is the creation story of Split. Split is a feature management platform. So what it means is we help companies by way of feature flags and experimentation to engineering teams to move faster, deliver value to customers much faster and increase the quality of delivery. My product helps you decouple a push from a release. That means that engineers can have an extra look in production before things get released. When you make mistakes, you can take that back without a full rollback. So the industry call all of this feature management platform. So the three founders met at a small startup called Relate IQ. For us, was at some point, we pushed so much code to production that every time we pushed something, we broke something else. 
the morale kind of wasn't that high and we had to figure out how to solve that problem. That's when one of who later become my co-founder mentioned to me, say, hey, let's build an experimentation platform. So he used those words. I had no idea what that meant. And in fact, I ignored him two times until the third time he came in and said, let's do this. And so I inquired a little more. And what he actually saying to me was, let's build a feature flying tool. That changed everything. Because we moved from a, a position where every time you push the production, you broke something. To we push the production, but no release. And when I'm going to re- later, we'll release it for, say, Pato and Noah. And both of us that we were in the same team, we got to test that feature in production. We were sure about the thing that worked. Then we continued to roll that out to the team, then to the company, then to the outside world. And it just changed the quality of the code, the morale of the team. People felt like they could push code at any time of the day. No nights, no weekends, as you might recall, was a traditional way of pushing big changes to production when the user is not there. So in a way, we give the developers and product team a little bit of quality of, of life by not stressing out on a release. And the, the second consequence of that I'm proud of is we gave the ability to release software that to people that never did that before. That gives teams more independence of execution, which is the second or third more important thing. Let's dive into that MVP. Let's dive into the MVP and tell me a little bit more about how long it took to build and what sort of tools you use to bring it to life. One of the first realizations, if you work at big companies, you get to see a little bit of the future before it comes to the rest of the industry. But also, your customer is captive, I call it, because if you're at Google or LinkedIn, the audience is internal. Thinking about the product for the rest of the world is a little different. So it, the, the feature set is broader, assumptions are different. When you jump off the boat and build this for a living, then that becomes your business. We realize that the things that we need to think about are a little different than when you're running inside a company. And now what tools we use? Again, we started from the beginning, three founders, and we hired very few people. So we had to make decisions quickly in order to help us get as fast as we can to deliver something. The access to the cloud was always there. More products that helped us achieve more with less people. I always tell folks that we did so much with only one DevOps person for a while. That could have been done many years before, obviously. Other tools on observability that I, I remember thinking and, and spending so much time in 20, 2010, 2011, trying to understand what was the software doing in production. And by 2015, you had companies on APMs were more mature, easy to set up. Logging tools were also more available. Obviously, the CDNs were there. Platform as a service companies that you know, above the cloud per se were also more available and affordable. That can that helped us really get a code to production in like a day or less. Even today, you're looking at hours. But those are the evolutions that I noticed from 2010 to 2015 that really helped us get something out there for prospects to see and for investors to see an MVP and kind of trust that we were credible and we can build things at the fast pace. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. 
The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Triple, super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. You've got that MVP then. You're gaining that trust. You're gaining some traction. How did you progress the product from there and mature it? I think to wrap that in a box a little bit, what I'm looking for is how do you build your roadmap? How did you build your roadmap? And what criteria are you using to figure out, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Split? The key factor for success, getting the founders and the early people together to first define what are the things that we must have so we define those at the time, easy deployment, language coverage, something about the audiences, and all these early set of feature set, packet them by those categories. So like, it's a good framework to understand what is a must-have if you want to hit the ground running and people will see value in the product. Again, at the time, we went through first what the most popular languages, so we built SDKs for those and progressed them from there. Whereas the table stakes on the feature flag for targeting capabilities that 70% of the companies will do out there. The other conversation that was important to us also was what are we appealing to? Are we going like bottom-up developer play? Are we going strong enterprise first? We made a decision early on that we wanted to appeal to enterprise. So as you can imagine, if you go that direction early on, you spend a lot of time on security, certification, making sure things are clear when you go and talk to a procurement or, or, or a CISO or security team on, at the enterprise company. If you ever sold to enterprise, there's a lot of requirements. That force us to be super efficient and, and find kind of multipliers. So what can I do now that can help us win up any other customers? And we work hard and a little bit of lucky to, to, to sell to major banks early on to the point that after that, anybody asks us any questions on security, they say, oh, we have it because this other customer asks us 300 items to, to be done to, to get the deal. 
Okay, so I hear you saying we. Tell me about how you built your team and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you? So the three founders, we had the right set of skills. Although two of us were technical, one came from the business side, so we complement each other well. The early people, again, I was biased also by the company I worked for before. It was high energy, intense work. And I liked it, the moving fast, trying to achieve things. I look for cues of greatness. Have you, what have you done when you, when you solve a problem? When you start asking, so tell me more. So what decision did you make here? If the person really have those details in their head, it means that they were actually in the trenches, like tinkering, trying to solve a really hard problem. And asking all those things, also, I didn't find that many people that quickly at the beginning because it, your pipeline gets thinner. But even still, the first set of 10, 15 folks at the time had that type of drive in them. And that was very important because as we have very little or no funding, so you want to go as fast as you can with as few resources you have. And, and trying to get to that kind of DNA of, of his people was a lot of work, but that's why most of the time, most of the time I spent in the early days is building the product or building the team or both. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite in a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for Code Story listeners. Head over to terso.tech slash codestory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash code store. Terso, welcome to the Data Edge. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud cost, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. Let's talk about scalability. And, you know, given the development or the part of the development cycle you're supporting, I'm curious how this fits in. Was this built to scale efficiently or with scale in mind from day one? Or have you fought this as you've grown in any sort of capacity? That's also important to know is what role does your product play in their production environment? Are you uh, mission critical or are you important? Nice to have, but if your tool is down, it's okay, you can restart the service, everybody's okay. So for us, it was mission critical, meaning that if my product is down back then or today, your company will have a really poor user experience. That's the reality. If a feature flag cannot be served to you today, then your application doesn't, be, doesn't have the behavior you want. 
Recognizing mission critical helped us develop practices of during the development phase to understand how scalable the system is, what metrics are you looking for to look at all time, which obviously one of them is like the speed of delivering the feature flags. But we knew that things like CDN were key players into the product, latency, uh, full observability to understand what's happening, and you, know, you can improve, you, you don't measure, so measurement of things were very important. And also when you have mission-critical software, always investing in your deployment pipeline is important because you don't want to get into a situation that your product is so important that you can't deploy to production because that will hurt innovation as well. So it was very tricky because do all of that with very few people and have support 24-7 and it gets stressing pretty quickly. But we managed and we knew that was hard work at the beginning. We kept at it and little by little it was paying off. Customers saw the value and trusted us and became a paying customers and that way we can invest more resources and, and they will start to turn. So... Pato, as you step out on that balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I'm proud of giving product and engineering teams quality of life when it comes to working on software and releasing. Customers have told us and sent us pictures. One say, hey, look, I'm releasing software using your product, sitting and watching the derby. Or someone in the car driving somewhere and had an emergency and uh, hitting a, a kill button on a flag to mitigate a problem. The fact that one, creating a product that later became a category and giving all of these people much better time at doing what they love, which is building software, I think that's it's hard to beat that. Let's flip the script a little bit. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. As a technical founder, we start building the software and having a lot of opinions. And I think the biggest mistake was, for example, not stepping back a little bit and make sure that I empower teams in the early days so they can make independent decisions and, and trust their judgment and develop scar tissues for making those calls. So I tend to like lean a lot. I think it's just a natural thing that many of us do. By retrospective, I think it would have been more wise to not do that and, and let others make decisions, make mistakes, come back from them, learn, and move on. Because personally, I would have much better time and, and the company too. You learn the hard way that way, especially as a, as a first-time founder. Moving faster without waiting of something to be fully baked, just to see if there's something there, and if there's something there, just keep going at it. I think I would have done much better job trusting our guides and say, hey, there's something here, let's go and build something, see what's up, as opposed to like overanalyze things. And again, I know we all hear about these things and we know that it's the right thing to do, but something happened when you are in the trenches that you don't do it. I think next time I'll be a little more wise on how to approach those challenges. Okay, this will be fun. For Split, what does the future look like for the product and for your team? The market keeps on getting bigger. And this, all of these phrases were part of the pitch deck. Every company is becoming a, a technology company and a software company. Because if you don't, then someone else will do it and then you lose against the competition. Who doesn't want to move fast and add more value to customers? So that's the thing that's exciting to me. We knew this coming in, even like almost nine years ago, that the investment in the SaaS product and the cloud was getting bigger and bigger. 
anybody releasing software should be able to take advantage of what we build. And not just us, there are many other players on different adjacent products that will become important. As the world becomes more agile and observability becomes a thing and risk mitigation is more at stake. So that's super excited to me. And when I started the company, if you tell me, hey, Pato, would you have imagined building a software, a company product that would be running in an oil rig in the middle of the ocean or in people's fridges as the smart fridges become a thing? And the answer would have been no. Or on a, a milk extraction machine for cows, for example, to hear the extreme. It's so ubiquitous. And that, that tells you how much software has been going through different areas, not just SaaS or the traditional SaaS companies. There's software everywhere, and when there's software everywhere, there are people releasing software and upgrades, and that's why I think this is super important right now to keep going at it, make sure we have value everywhere, and for people working here at Split, of course, the the opportunities are are so huge, we just need to focus and deliver value. Let's switch to you, Pato. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. I think I admire people that are long-term thinkers. Those who doesn't necessarily go after a trend that became popular today or tomorrow and then fade away, but those that have like strong beliefs in how they think and go after for a long period of time. And again, I'm taking pieces from Steve Jobs when he said he was able to touch himself and look at the city from above. There's a phrase about that. Those kind of Elements are appealing to me, or Warren Buffett long-term thinking, or Elon Musk persevering at the problem. Again, I don't, I'm not picking a random person, I'm picking different pieces that to me are important. It's like, trust yourself, have conviction, think long-term, and look at things that would be unlikely to change. And again, we, we can pick those elements from different people. I don't think I can pick one particular one, but the ones I mentioned have bits and pieces of those elements that are super important to me. Pato, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Trust yourself and your instinct because you're doing this because you have conviction on something and don't necessarily expect of other people to just follow along naturally. That's why you have the opportunity to do it and no others do necessarily is to see there is something there, take the risk, have conviction, and go at it. I developed those uh, calluses from trying to recruit friends. Even though I recruited a lot of friends here, many of them said, no, you're never going to make any money from this, or that's super hard. It's easy to lose motivation from those things. But just trust yourself, trust your gut. You're doing that because you have conviction on something, and the rest will follow along later when things become more obvious. And if you fail, you learn so much from that, keep going. I told my kids the same thing whenever they listen to me. You really learn more from failures than from successes. It's just it's hard to recover from them. But with the right attitude, you have the benefit of learning what doesn't work. Fantastic advice. Well, Pato, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Split. Thank you, Noah, for having me. It's always fun to tell the beginnings. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. 
And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.